0: This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and I want to thank everyone that has been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're a tremendous help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe this is the best way to get to really know the guest. This week's guest is highly unique. Um, His name is Angelo Poli. You may or may not have recognized him, but you've probably seen many of his bodies donning the covers of lots of magazines, Um, or some of his clients' bodies donning the covers of lots of magazines, and potentially his as well. But Angelo is an internationally recognized expert in the field of body transformations. Polly pioneered the evolution-based approach to weight management that has been hailed as a foolproof diet plan, and I'm going to be a guinea pig on this as well. He's the author of MetPro, The Science to Transform, which outlines his philosophy and workout system. Angelo is a serial entrepreneur. He's the founder of MetPro, M-E-T-P-R-O dot C-O is the website, the world's first algorithm-based weight loss engine, which is fueled by the data you feed feed into it every day. In addition, Pulley is the founder of Whole Body Fitness, which provides weight loss, health, and fitness training programs for all ages and fitness levels. By using a combination of the latest nutrition, conditioning sciences, and evolution-based methods, Pauly and his team are able to complete short and long-term fitness strategies that maximize people's weight loss process. pulley 's cl- clientele from all over the world ranges in scope from NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers, among other elite athletes, celebrities, to physique models, entrepreneurs, and politicians. He has also been featured for his specialty in neuromuscular reeducation. I'm very interested in this posture and alignment. I was watching your TED Talk a little bit. And weight loss science is in major media outlets such as Men's Health, Sports Illustrated, The Wall Street Journal, and he's a regular contributor for the Huffington Post and has many has spoken at many conferences as well as a TEDx talk that you need to check out. So that's the formal intro, but let let's hear Angelo and from Angelo who Angelo really is and how he got into this business.
1: Ken, thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm just impressed that you pronounced neuromuscular reeducation. Everybody gets stumbled on that one. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so I, I'm thrilled to be here and, and thrilled to get to to speak with uh, with your listeners about all things transformation. That's that's my passion and our passion here at MetPro.
0: Perfect, perfect. So tell us, you know, why did you start MetPro? You know, what where where did this come from? Actually, let's start before that. You know, with the cane. Um, you know, I was doing a little bit of research on your background, but I didn't get the full story. Talk to us. You're walking with a cane.
1: Yeah, I guess you did a little bit of research. I was known as the trainer that that walked with the cane for almost a decade. So I I was I started in fitness. I was I was a kid, I was in my early 20s, started in fitness and suffered a pretty severe injury to my my low back. And you know, years of going through the, you know, everything from the major surgeries to every modality you could imagine. But I, my passion for helping people transform persisted. So I couldn't hand people dumbbells for the longest time. I couldn't do reps and sets with them, but I could still educate. I could still have a positive influence. And so the area that people struggled the most was with metabolism. And, and I say metabolism, everybody says nutrition. Well, they are two different things The the medical industry, the fitness industry, they they can give you the basics on good versus bad when it comes to nutrition, but metabolism can be a little bit more confusing because everyone is so unique. There's no parody. There's nothing fair about it. So I started actually uh, going on the road and, and uh, doing seminars and lectures and, and training programs for groups of people. And in order to help, People quickly come to a determination of basically what their metabolic blueprint is, their starting point on their journey. I break them into groups, ask some questions to try to divine where is a person starting from. And if once we could identify certain characters, and we'll get into this, but five, five areas in particular, once we could identify these items, then we, could, we would have the foundation laid to be able to say, here's the nutrition strategy for you, here's the training strategy for you, and here's what's going to uh, be our first, second, third adjustments to that strategy based on these markers. And that's how basically METPRO was born. was uh, really identifying uh, individual areas of need when it comes to program specificity. And so years later, I'm fortunate to have recovered from the back injury and and now I've, uh, I've been able to work with everything from some great pro athletes to, to executives and CEOs to, to, you know, parents and grandparents just wanting to have more energy to, to spend the weekends with the grandkids. My passion persists and remains the same and that I love the process of physical transformations. And so here we are today.
0: Perfect. And what are those five pieces of the puzzle? Let's just jump right into it that you had mentioned.
1: Uh, let's do it. So the first thing that my team identifies is goals and body types. So we have to know goal. That makes sense because we're not going to treat people with different goals differently. We're not, we're not going to say, okay, well, your goal is we want to add 50 pounds to your bench press. We're going to train and diet completely different, if that's our goal, from someone who's like, hey, I I need to slim down. I have this role in this upcoming movie or TV show, or I have this event I need to be at, and I need my body to look a certain way. Those are two completely different things. So the first thing we really have to do is we have to be honest about what the goal is. Once we understand what the goal is, then we're looking at your body type. Uh, Body types, you know, these terms get thrown around quite a bit, ectomorph, mesomorph, endomorph. Uh, Somebody doesn't have to be a true blue. They they don't have to have a label on exactly what they are. I like to think of body types as more of a sliding scale. So everybody's going to have traits from multiple uh, body types, but you're going to have a dominant Um, characteristic, where you're dominantly a mesomorphic body type, or dominantly an endomorph, which is a, a stockier body type. Once we know that, we have a good idea of how your body is going to respond or adapt against a certain set of variables, be it nutrition or training, because an ectomorphic body type, which is kind of like your runner's body type, tend to be a little bit more of a petite frame, longer arms and legs, is going to respond very different to the same training and nutrition as an endomorphic body type, who's going to be the stockier, broader, more muscular, tends to also carry more body fat, physique. So that's where we start, goal and body type. So that's two of the five. Then what we need to identify is, are we taking a strategic or metabolic approach? This is critical. So for anyone who's ever tried different diets or different programs out there and been frustrated with the results, here's what a lot of this boils down to. About 75% of the the folks that we work with fall into strategic category. Strategic means their body is responsive to training and nutrition, but they struggle adopting nutrition and training into their lifestyle because they're busy, they have deadlines, they have kids to drop off, they have a hectic schedule, and we're on the go. And integrating in the lifestyle that's going to produce uh, habits and enough recreation on a daily basis of those good habits is hard to adopt we call those clients strategic and so what my coaches do is they spend the majority of their time really getting to know our clients schedule and day-to-day routines and unique needs to help fit in painlessly or as painless as possible the most relevant strategies nutritionally and for their training as they can possibly fit into their schedule without it being cumbersome. Then there's metabolic clients. These are individuals who, look, I've I've done every program on the every diet on the planet. I've done every program. I've tried low calorie. I've tried low carb. I've done cyclical fasting. I've done, you know, you name it. And I'm just not where I want to be. Well, that boils down to an issue of their metabolic rate today, regardless of what it was sometime in the past, their metabolic rate today is running at a point where decreasing or doing what quote unquote the experts say is right, is not going to produce more than a marginal change in their body. It's critical to identify which basket you fall into. Because if you're a strategic person, then it's all about crafting the ideal protocol that can integrate into your life. And if you're a metabolic type, eating less or exercising more is probably not going to result in the transformation you're looking for. You would have already achieved it. Instead, now we have to take the step-by-step process of speeding your metabolic rate back up, rehabilitating your metabolism, so that way we can begin to sculpt, challenge and transform your physique. So that's that's the third on, on the hierarchy. The fourth is baseline testing. And this is how we really get to answer that question of, am I a strategic or am I a metabolic? So with baseline testing, what we've done is we've taken literally thousands of people, we've crafted a parsing or a a benchmark meal plan to expose how their metabolic rate is actually performing. So we have a meal plan where we know the exact calories consumed, we know the exact macronutrient ratios, how many meals it's going to be spread out over, uh, the glycemic load of the meals, all the nuances a, a coach or a nutritionist would want to know about somebody's meal plan. We have a person follow this for a set number of days, and then we compare their results against this static baseline to determine exactly what adjustments we need. And Ken, you would be amazed at the diversity. I could line up 10 guys similar age, similar demographics, similar build, and put them all on the same baseline meal plan, and I'll get everything from one guy in the group will lose six pounds in a week. Another guy in the group will gain two pounds. You can't effectively diet or strategize for someone until you know where they're at. At least whether it's good news or bad news, once we know where they're at, we can craft a strategic step-by-step process for transforming your body. Um, And then the final, the final of the five is psychology. And that's as simple as uh, we're going to treat our pro athletes a little bit different than we're going to treat, you know, the person who is really in this for, for a lifestyle standpoint. Um, And so those are the the major five things that we look for out of the gate when then diving into the nuances of actually crafting a strategy to ensure that someone's body health performance, what have you, transforms.
0: I love how you said it's nutrition, it's metabolism versus nutrition, right? Because... Not all diets are gonna work for all people. It's almost whatever the marketing agencies want is really what, you know, what's the new diet of of the month or the year or any of that type of stuff. What yeah. about, you know, and how do you fire up you know the metabolism? Is it is it food based? Is it fitness-based, or I mean, you know, working out, training based? Tell tell the listeners a bit about that.
1: The answer is yes. All, all of the above. So Um, Here is the big secret. I'm telling all my secrets today. Perfect. Contrast. It's all about contrast, not necessarily uh, calories in, calories out, or a special food or a special exercise regimen. It's about contrast. So here's what that means. Every year I'll take a a number of athletes to competition and physique sports. Uh, I used to do a lot of this. Now I, I, I do a handful each year. So physique sports is bodybuilding, figure, fitness, physique, et cetera. And people from the crowd will always come up to me afterwards and Angelo, how did you know your athletes looks great? What do you have them doing? What do you have them eating? You know, and I give the tongue in cheek, you know, canned answer, you know, brown rice and broccoli and chicken and, you know, all the stuff that you typically hear. And then they say, okay, if I eat like that, will I look like them? (laughs) Nope, probably not. (laughs) So here's why. It's because eating brown rice, some broccoli and chicken. great. But that's not in and it of itself the trigger. The trigger is contrast. So this athlete, who's on stage now, you know, five percent, four percent body fat, right? Just shredded. This guy isn't shredded because he ate boiled chicken and broccoli. He's shredded because during his off season, he spent months increasing his intake, his calories, his carbohydrates, eating copious amounts while training intensely. Then when he got himself used to eating, okay, 4,500 calories a day, some of these guys 5,000 and beyond, we've all heard of some of the Olympic athletes who eat these tremendous quantities. Now when that guy all of a sudden on, on a dime stops, and drops down to, you know, 2,200 calories of boiled chicken and broccoli, the fat is going to incinerate off of his body. Not because of the boiled chicken, but because of the contrast between what his metabolism was previously accustomed to versus what you change to. So the reason that contrast is all important is because the metabolism's job is essentially this, create homeostasis. So your metabolism's job is to create a baseline so your body is not constantly gaining or losing weight. Um, And that's that's a very base principle. If you continue just gaining and gaining and gaining weight, you would die. If you continued losing and losing losing weight, you would die. So it's a survival mechanic. So like a carburetor in the car, your metabolism adjusts. When you eat more, it speeds up. When you eat less, it speeds down to recapture that homeostasis. It can't do it overnight, so it takes some time. But it can and will and has to adapt to our nutritional environment to recreate that that stasis. So that's where you get kind of that predictive strategy. So people say, well, how did you know I needed to do this and would get that specific outcome? Well, here's the illustration. Three women live on the same street, neighbors. They all decide together that they're going to go on a diet. And so they all want to lose weight. Um, They all go on a diet, 1,500 calories. Uh, One of the neighbors, one of the gals loses weight. One of the gals gains weight. And one of the gals stays about the same weight. Just from those data points, I can, with pretty much certainty, tell you a few things. First, the gal that lost weight was used to eating more than 1,500 calories. That contrast is what created the fat loss, the weight loss. The gal who gained weight was used to eating less than 1,200 calories. Again, contrast is what resulted in the weight gain. The gal who stayed about the same weight was pr- probably used to eating about fifteen hundred calories because there wasn't any contrast, so nothing changed. now uh, that's a little bit of an oversimplification because there's more than just calories in and calories out there's carbohydrates, meal timing, glycemic load, et etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But if we were to put a label on it, I would say intake. There has to be contrast using one of our levers and in intake and that's how you force a body to transform. And if you do your job right and you adjust the intake just right, then your body is gonna change and then it's gonna stop changing. It has to recreate that homeostasis. And when it does, you have to have a game plan for what comes next and what comes next and what comes next. And if your goal is weight loss, it can't just be, well, I'm gonna eat less and then less and then less because you're gonna run out of stuff to take away you see? Um, so on that weight loss, and you can, uh, I, I get to talk and so you just said no, that it's no, it's perfect. No, <laughs> I love
0: it. Because it's almost like you know, in today's society, it's, you know, it's if you bought every golf magazine, right? And you took, you know, a stroke off every, every tip, you wouldn't you'd be hitting zero. So I think that's what a lot of, you know, the nutrition world is out there, right? It's just hack information that, you, you know, that doesn't, is not for the specific person. So no, I I love hearing you know I love hearing this. I'm sure, you know I'm fascinated by all different you know types of things.
1: It's the entertainment world also. So right. they get blended together. Uh, now I have had the privilege. Uh, I know uh, a number of the coaches that were on like some of the popular weight loss TV shows and things like that. Um, and th- there is a lot of good that's being done. But here is the hard reality. Um, the way to lose weight when you have a large amount of weight to lose is to do it gradually and take breaks. So in other words, if somebody says I got hundred pounds to lose, they're writing on the board, okay, I'm going to lose, you know, two pounds a week. Or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Uh, I said, no, let me, let me teach you how in reality, having dieted literally 10,000 people, let me tell you how this is actually going to work. I'm going to take 25, 30 pounds off of you. And I'm going to do it pretty quick. And then we're going to stop. I'm going to let your body recover. I'm going to focus because your body's going to get used to that lower intake. So we're going to actually feed you a little bit more and have a period of time. We're going to focus on performance and rejuvenating your metabolism. Then we're going to go for another stretch of X amount of weeks. And we're going to take another 20, 25 pounds off. And then we're going to stop rinse and repeat. The problem with that is it makes for terrible TV. Right. Right. <laughs> So, you know, so, so it's all about understanding how the metabolism acclimates to different scenarios. And, and that's what our coaches really uh, educate. I, I try and teach everyone. Our, our program is not a weight loss. I never said, I want to start a weight loss company. I'm not interested in that. I am fascinated about the science of transformation and, and what really unlocks that is metabolism, understanding Your metabolism, and so that's what our coaches really focus on with each and every person, um, getting to know them. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing. People can feel a little awkward. It's like, hey, I I thought you know, I I thought you guys were going to help me with what to eat and uh, what type of exercise to do. I didn't think you'd be asking me about my family and kids and work schedule and stress. Guess what? That all plays a part in the recommendations we're going to make because it has to be sustainable. So contrast is king.
0: Is that the same too with you know, nutrition and food as with training and working out? Talk to us about the physical aspect of it.
1: Great. Great question. Same exact principle, process of um, critical deduction. So every type of, a, this, this is a, not, not a gripe. Let, let, me, let me phrase it this way. I have seen every diet work. I've seen every day, you name a diet, I have seen it work with someone at some point under the right circumstance. I have seen every training program work. You know, you, one guy's like spin is the best thing ever. Next guy, you know, you do kettlebells. No, powerlifting is where that, no cross training. You do it all. They're all right. They're all correct. I've seen every protocol work. That doesn't mean they're necessarily the most strategic. The way we get strategic is to accurately identify your goal, body type, which is an expression of your genetic predisposition, and then weigh that what you're currently doing against what your results are. And based on those results, be negative or positive, have a strategic next step and next step. So here's what that looks like on a little bit more granular level when it comes to training. There are six categories of exercise. Um, These are broad categories. So you'll be able to, when you're you're listening and you're thinking yourself, well, this is the type of exercise I do, you're going to be able to put it into one of these six buckets. So the first is endurance training. Endurance training has specific attributes in that it is non-hypertrophic. It's going to force your cardiovascular system to adapt. It's going to challenge your energetic pathways to become more efficient at burning intramuscular triglycerides and lipids for fuel, enhance your oxidative pathways. Uh, it's not going to add muscle to your frame. Those are the major attributes of endurance training. Then you have interval training, which is also considered aerobic exercise. That can be Very, very mildly hypertrophic. That means, hypertrophy means uh, creates muscular growth. Uh, That can be very, very mildly hypertrophic. More more arguably, it maintains your lean muscle mass because you're using your muscles to sprint and then relax and sprint and relax. Um, It burns a lot of calories. Uh, What's the great attributes is typically you can burn a few more calories in a shorter period of time. So that can be a great tool. Then you have uh, cardio circuit training. So cardio circuits is like body weight movements uh, where you might mix in some body weight movements with some uh, aerobic activities where you are getting a little conditioning but it's still dominantly aerobic though you may see some muscular development. Then you get a little bit further into the muscular development side. Now we're at something like circuit training. Circuit training is a lot of your core traditional bodybuilding movements that are for muscular development, but it's set at a lighter weight With less rest so you're going from exercise to exercise so you're basically getting a dual benefit of aerobic capacity burning calories and building muscle then you get over into cross training crossfit's really popular but there have been lots of styles of cross training for for decades out there um, where you're doing some strength training and you're mixing in some aerobic activity you're running and then you're doing a, a lift Then there's pure strength training, and that's going to be your bodybuilding splits. That's going to be your powerlifting, things along those lines. Whatever type of exercise you do, you're going to be able to socket it into one of these buckets. What we do with our clients, what I do when I talk with someone is I look at their genetics, their body type, their goal, their history, both with training and nutrition, and help them determine time management, how they're going to invest their time. So, whether you're one of the highest paid athletes in the world or whether you are just trying to go to the gym so that way you, your joints don't stiffen up, you still have 24 hours in the day. You have a finite amount of time to exercise and your body has a finite ability to recover from stress and exercise. So, whatever that pie graph looks like, whether it's two hours a week or whether it's eight hours a week, I want to have a defined, called out strategic breakdown of here is our priority. So the first two hours of exercise each week that you put in is clearly in this category. Uh, Mrs. I need to get into uh, my little black dress for the high school reunion, who I just, I I need to see 10 pounds come off quickly. Uh, We are doing endurance training. We're dabbling in some interval training. And once we get those pounds off, then we're going to reintegrate more resistance training. Mr. I want to add 20, 30, 40 pounds to my bench press. I want to have bigger shoulders and arms. Um, Get off the treadmill, right? That's great. If there's extra time, then we're going to add that in. But we're going to make sure that the time that you're spending is going to correlate straight across the board to the goal that you're looking for. And so that's where the strategy comes in with exercise is making sure you are allocating Time where it is most strategic. I think that's
0: yeah, that's the lifesaver right there. It's like I said, it's having that guidance and having that coach and really point you down that direction because you know I, excuse me, I've been training for years and years and years and sometimes even real athletes get lost, right? And it's like, all right, here's a reset, and this is what's going to work, and I'm sure. I'm sure it's probably different for all ages too, correct?
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. Everybody has a different threshold, but I I hate going into things with preconceived ideas or presumption, being presumptuous. Everyone's body is unique. So we need to start somewhere, and we're going to base a lot of that off of each person's past history. The first thing I ask is, wait, what are you currently doing? Um, you know, that that's... Honestly, that's what happens a lot. I'll get, you know, some pro athletes will tell me, okay, here, here's my goal and here's my current training program. And I'm never coming back to them and say, oh, this is terrible. What are you thinking? These are all wrong. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. You be... Everything I see on their training program looks great. Here's the problem. You said that your goal was increased vertical leap. You said uh, vertical jump or you said your goal was um, you need to be a lighter weight. Of the twelve hours a week that you're training, I only see two hours here of activity that are directly correlative to that goal. The rest is auxiliary so what we're going to do is not indefinitely but for a time we're going to sharpen our pencil, reallocate, and that's how we guarantee we can move the dial even more often than that i'll get I'll get the executive who call me up. Say, hey, Angelo, I've done my research, I know who you are, I know what you do. Here's what I want. I want to bench 300 pounds. I wanna run a sub six minute mile. I want sub 10% body fat. Can you do that? (laughs) Heck yeah, that's exactly what I do. I live for that, I live for that, Ken. But here's what you have to choose. Which do you want first? Because if you try and train and eat for all three of those objectives, you're going to accomplish exactly none of them. (laughs) Unless you're just genetically gifted, you're not going to accomplish any of those objectives. You have to become a specialist, not a generalist for a time. For overall health and well-being, there could be a good argument made that being a generalist is overall better. Once we've checked these boxes, then we can be a generalist. If you wanna really move the dial, remember what I said my whole secret is? Contrast. So we gotta go all in. So um, in order to achieve those objectives, we gotta make sure that the diet makes sense with the training. The training allocation is matching your goal. And then, oh, by the way, I want you to throw away everything you've heard about how you should um, spend your time when it goes, when it goes to transforming your body, just throw it out the window, start with a blank slate. I am not saying any professional or guru specialist out there is wrong. I just, I want you to have an open mind. When I go on, when I do some of these, these lectures and education, you know, people, people ask me, you know, what's the secret, what's the best exercise, or what's the best machine at the gym? Um, And I tell them that they're asking the wrong question. The question should be, what's the secret to transforming? And the answer to that question is time management. I tell people that the the art, and it is an art, it's a science and an art of transforming your body, um, can go counterintuitive to our natural inclination. It's like the sport of jousting. <laughs> right. Hey, Ken, here, hold this lance, get on this horse, or you get charged towards the other guy with the pointy thing coming at you. Uh, our, uh, our intuition is I got to get in shape. I'm going to set my alarm, clock, my alarm clock an hour earlier. I'm going to get down, and I'm going to go and exercise. And I'm great. I'm all for that. Now, i just ask you something. Did you happen to get your meals prepped for the day? Did you pack your snacks? Like, well, I didn't get to that, but I got my hour of exercise in. Well, you know where I'm going with this. Start with the biggest levers. Start with the items that have the greatest influence first. Check them off the list. Once we have those dialed in, then move down the list to the second largest influencing factor and third largest influencing factor. Most people invest themselves and their time into kind of those mid-tier influencing factors, and they miss the main plot. They miss the priorities. So somebody says to me, I said, you, you know, hey, Billy, how much time a week can you get dedicated to transforming? Uh, the first thing in their mind they think that I asked, they think that I asked them, how much time can you exercise? That's not what I asked. <laughs> right. What I asked is, how much time can you dedicate? And if they come back and they say, well, I can do, Um, I I can spend a couple hours a week. I said, great, um, here's what you're going to be doing for, um, for our food strategy. Okay. What about exercise? Well, you're not going to exercise. You don't want me to exercise. No, I want you to exercise. You said you have one to two hours a week. You don't have time to exercise. If I'm going to get you to transform in two hours a week, here's what you're going to do. You're going to prepare these snacks. You're going to do X, Y, Z. Well, I thought I should do this other diet. I said, that's a great diet you don't have time for that diet, right? (laughs) Here's what is the most return? We're talking to executive athletes, right? What's the greatest ROI? What's the best return for our time invested? And so that's where I try and get people to think in new, in different terms. You don't have to go to the gym and do a grueling workout for an hour and 15 hour and a half every day to move the dial. I love the term micro workouts. Something short, something simple. People ask all the time, what, you know, my workout strategy, should I go all in? Should I be more intensive? I was like, hey, trust me, nobody likes that more than I do. But here's what I want can you give me 15, 18 minutes, five mornings a week, but make it part of your routine? Because if you can do that, you're giving me a foundation I can build off of. If you instead give me an hour and a half grueling, laying everything out on the table, don't get me wrong. I'll give you a few attaboys. I'll hoot and holler for you. But at the end of the day, this is the best we're going to get. I have nothing to build off of here. So habits, routine, and the strategy. Uh, I'd love to give your listeners three things that they need to be able to really ask themselves. Am I I gonna be successful at transforming my body, my health, my physique? The three things that you need to ask yourself is, what is your strategy? It's not a complicated question, but you should be able to clearly articulate what you are doing with your nutrition, what changes you are making to your nutrition, you should be able to clearly articulate what changes you are making to your training. If you can't come up with the words, you probably don't have a strategy that's definitive in place, let alone once your metabolism and your body does its job of acclimating what step two, three, or four is. So you have to be able to clearly define and articulate what that strategy is. The second thing is how do you optimize your time so I hear all the time, you know, the, the infomercials, you have to decide, make up your mind to get in shape. I don't, I don't care about making up your mind. I'm, I want the practical. You need to learn the skill to get in shape. That's like saying, well, if you decide you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, then poof, you are. <laughs> right. Oh. You have to learn the skill without someone to teach you without some effort into learning that skill. You're not going to be able to cram it into your daily lifestyle It's definitely a skill. So how are you optimizing your time? What's your strategy to fit it all in? And then the third thing is actually very simple. Once again, is your body responding? So after 30 days, you should be able to look back and say, here was my strategy. Here's what I did. As to skillfully integrate it into my life. Here's how I optimized my time to get it done. And here have been the results. And even if the results aren't as quickly as you'd like, you should be able to, they should be measurable. And if you really haven't gotten results, then we know we have to adjust something. Continuing to do the same thing, well, that's the definition of insanity. We just be our head against the wall, right? So continuing to do the same thing is not gonna produce the results. So we need to already in advance know what our next step is once those results taper off.
0: What about supplements? Do you do anything with supplements at all? Is that mixed into the thing or is it mostly just food-based?
1: That's a great question. I, I like to focus on the food base. Now, that doesn't mean that some sports supplements don't have a, have a place. I'm not um, a big promoter of heavy sports supplements usage. What I'm a big promoter of is getting the nutrients you need through food. And, you know, I have to admit that probably that's in part a byproduct of the fact that guess what the number one goal is that people call me up have Weight loss. Yeah. 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 They, they want to lose weight. So, um, so supplements start to particularly, I mean, the world's, you know, the most abundant, the most famous supplement is protein powder. And I love protein. I use it um but when i'm already working on trying to get somebody into a smaller version of themselves generally speaking unless it's for a time management purpose i want them eating something that's going to actually satiate them and fill them up um whereas the supplements become a little bit more applicable when our goal is performance, muscular development, and athletics, now we can start talking about including some more of these things. I'll give you kind of a comical example. Um, I, I have gotten numerous, you know, fathers come into my facility, bring in their, you know, son in tote. Here, here's the next, you know, NFL star. Um, you know, my son's going to be a great, you know, wide receiver you know, quarterback or whatever, and he's so talented. He's going to play at the next level. And there's no doubt. Maybe, maybe his his son is fantastic, but I'm, I'm staring back across my desk at this 17 year old who's six foot three weighs 155 pounds. Um, And I say, okay, (laughs) do you like food son? (laughs) And uh, he'll, he'll say, yeah. I said, okay not anymore. And he'll laugh and I'll say, stop laughing. You're going to hate food. You're going to have a perpetual stomach ache for the next six months of your life. And then dad will chime in and we'll say, well, isn't that unhealthy? Isn't that bad for his digestion? Yep, it sure is. (laughs) But here's the deal. I've weighed the risk of his digestive health against his spinal health when a 290 pound defensive end lands on your son's face. And I've decided that we're gonna go with the stomach ache. And that's the reality of it. So that's where sports supplements can really come in is I gotta pack 30 pounds of muscle on this kid and I gotta do it pronto. Um, He can't eat that much volume. So now using some of these sports supplements can really make a big difference. And so anyhow, that that's uh, that's my big experience with the sports supplement world and when they're most applicable.
0: No, it totally makes sense. I love the fact that you're saying too, is instead of weight loss performance gain, right? I think that's probably, that's a different way to look at sort of the same thing because in order to gain performance, you have to lose weight. I always, well, you don't have to, but actually not, but I always tell people, it's always best to be as strong as possible and, you know, sort of the lightest engine or lightest car you want, you want the biggest engine with the lightest body.
1: Uh, You're absolutely right. Now the, the, the fitness nerd in me, you know, just the little pings go off. So I have to define that. So um, that is, that is critical. That's where a lot of um, my high level athletes are coming to get counseling on uh, because there is a right time and a wrong time. For example, I, I get a lot of, I see this in the CrossFit, in the CrossFit world, I've had the privilege of working with a number of the top 10 CrossFitters. Um, and I, I see this as well, even, um, even a little bit with some of the other major sports like football, basketball. Um, there's this belief that if I'm lighter, I'm going to be faster and perform better. That is usually correct, not at the expense of being underfueled. Correct, so, yes. leading up to your event or your competition, this needs to be done. We need to get you to that performance spot well in advance. So that way we don't have to dabble with being under under fueled while you're competitive, because I assure you having an extra three pounds on you is not going to hurt your performance as much as not having enough fuel the week that you're competing. So that's the only area where that, that requires a little bit of, of a fine tuned detail, right. but exactly what you said, uh, you're spot on Ken,
0: you're spot yeah. on. It seems, yeah, it's, um, you know, because I've been in the cycling world and I've been in the ski race world. I've been, you know, in so many, almost, <clears throat> you know, co- contrast like you were saying, right? You know, to be a ski racer, you want to be big and like a lineman because you're hauling ass at 80 miles an hour. And, you know, that's, it's you and your underwear, right? It's when you crash, <laughs> yeah. you want your body to protect you. But if, you know, you're a cyclist and you're going uphill, you want to be light because you're hauling, you know, a big body up the mountains don't doesn't work either. So I think, you know, it's that contrast. But I think, you know, what I like to say is, like you said, is to be the generalist, but also to be really um be the yeah, be the strongest and lightest possible. But maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. But it's just sort of, you know, the uh the philosophy I've always had. So yeah,
1: no that that's the name of the game. You know, a lot of the these the cyclists that I work with, you'd be amazed well, you wouldn't be amazed. You you know uh the lengths that they'll go to to get that bike just a couple ounces lighter. I mean, that, that makes such a, you know, such a big difference. It's, you know, at that level, especially at the ultra competitive level. No, my, my whole, um, my whole passion is just to get people to think about this topic of body transformations. This is what we do at MetPro. This is what we focus on. Our whole philosophy is to just get people to, um, think about things um and just have an open mind to the way they approach uh they approach reaching their goals. Um challenge, you know, challenge what you know, challenge what you hear, I should say. It should have the ring of truth. It should make sense. Um, I'll I'll tell you just a real brief story. When I when I do when I do a number of these seminars and some of these education, um, I'll, I'll challenge people to think differently about performance and metabolism and how calories and food affect all of that. So what, what I'll do is I usually pick one of the, like a petite gal out of the, you know, front of the front of the room. So I don't, you know, make anyone uncomfortable and say, okay, Julie, um, uh, you know, you're, you're 120 pounds. You're clearly fit. You take care of yourself. You know, your body pretty well. Uh, I want to just challenge something that we traditionally understand to be gospel. Uh, what would happen if Julie, you changed nothing about your training or your nutrition except one thing: every night before you go to bed, you eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, a thousand calories of ice cream right before bed. You know, and everybody chuckles and giggles, and she laughs. She goes, "Well, I'll be happy," you know, and, and, and you know, everybody gets a kick out of that. I go, "But really, what, what, what would happen?" And She goes, "Well, I, I gain weight." I said, "I'll buy that. How much weight would you gain in thirty days?" Now, I've asked that question hundreds and hundreds of times at seminars and lectures, et cetera, et cetera. And invariably, I'll get the same answer between five and 15 pounds. I'll gain between five and 15 pounds. I said, well, you know what? She's right. That's probably about what would happen. She probably gained between five and 15 pounds. Now, bear with me here. What happens if you kept eating that pint of Ben and Jerry, that thousand calories every night before you go to bed for an entire year, how much weight would you gain? I said, don't overthink it. You know your body. Just tell me intuitively. Invariably, the gal will always tell me, oh, I'll gain between 15 and 30 pounds. I said, that's interesting. Does everyone here agree with that? And most people will nod their head. I agree with that. I said, well, if we do the math based on, if we, if we don't challenge traditional thinking based on the math of calories in, calories out, 1,000 calories extra a day is 7,000 calories a week, if we do that math, she should gain 102 pounds in one year. Anyone here thinks she's going to gain 102 pounds in one year? There's nothing on the planet she can eat that she'd be able to gain that much weight. So, what that means is that Ben and Jerry speeds your metabolism. That's what it means.
0: Perfect. I'll be doing it every night.
1: That's great. That's the clip. <laughs> you're going to replay of this. Exactly. Bill Foley says Ben and Jerry's metabolism. No, trust me. She's not going to be happy about the weight she's going to gain from it. But the truth is when you think about it in those terms, it's that we overlook the impact what we do and how we eat has on our metabolism. We forget that metabolism isn't this static stationary entity that performs the same under all circumstances, So for this gal, if she eats 1,000 calories a day, she will gain some weight, but the metabolism will do its job, and it's going to recreate that homeostasis. So if we know that that's how the metabolism um, responds, we can control it. We can use it to our advantage. That's how we reset the metabolism. Not by jumping 1,000 calories a day via Ben and Jerry's, but how about 150 calories via brown rice and chicken, or some other healthy, usable fuel source. The opposite is true. You think of, Ken, give me an example. Who, what do you think of when you think of someone with a really fast metabolism? What image are you conjuring in your mind?
0: No, someone who's thin, long, and lanky, right? You know, ding, 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 ding. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's, my, that's what I think of.
1: Right, that's, I mean, that, that's normal, sure. Have you ever seen those shows? Those, um, the Discovery Health Channel—they'll have them where they're, you know, taking the thousand-pound man out of his house using a crane. I mean, they're, they're
0: oh crazy. yes, yep. My six hundred-pound life. Uh, there you go. My uh, eight-year-old <laughs> used to watch that.
1: <laughs> so the nutritionists—now I know they do this a lot for for drama and whatnot, but they'll show this person and they pan the camera. They show everything they eat in one day, and it's like what the average person would eat in a week. So the nutritionists work with these people, they'll put them on like 5,000 calories a day and they'll lose for several days, 10 pounds a day. How much weight would you lose, Ken? Right. (laughs) If I put you on 5,000 calories a day. So what that means is these people, these morbidly obese, have a blazing fast metabolism. That doesn't change the fact that they're in a tight spot. They're unhealthy. They're overweight. But from a metabolic standpoint, it doesn't mean that, oh, this person, because they're bigger, their metabolic rate is is lower. Or because they're smaller, their metabolic rate is higher. See, just the way we think about the metabolism needs to change. We need to think about it as its own entity that adapts and acclimates based on our nutritional and lifestyle environment. And back to what I said earlier, if it can adapt, if we know the variables and the set of circumstances that will force it to rev up or force it to slow down, then we can control it. That does not mean there's a there's a magic bullet, there's no, there's no, there's no secrets that it just do these two things and all of a sudden, poof, you have the body of your dreams. It doesn't work that way. What it does mean is that there is a valid method of evaluating whether or not a strategy is justifiable and likely to produce the results that you want. And and that's what what we're all about, helping people transform intelligently.
0: What about, you know, sort of, it seems like you're almost um, going towards their DNA, right? You're really focused on that. And I think it's the metabolism is probably, and I'm just thinking out loud, right? Is yeah. metabolism a different thought for, you know, the DNA of your body's likelihood to gain or lose weight? It's really what it is, correct?
1: So we're taking both into consideration. Um, so only one out of those two things can you change, can you control? So right. we'll be focusing on that one, right? So you can't, your DNA, your genetics are your genetics. You can't magically change that. And absolutely. Um, we all have different genetics, and so we all have different thresholds. Um, but a lot of frustration when it comes to uh, dieting or uh, transformation attempts stem from a misunderstanding of really how genetics work. So I'll give you a classic example: two guys, they went to you know they went to high school together. Both of these guys are now in their forties both of these guys weigh uh, 230 pounds both of these guys go on the same strategy of healthy eating same calories and exercising same routine one guy loses 60 pounds the other guy loses 20 pounds why well Here's what may not have been taken into consideration. When they went to high school together, when they graduated, they, weigh, they both weigh 230 pounds today, but when they both graduated high school, one of them weighed 205 pounds. The other weighed 165 pounds. So one of them had a body type that is genetically stockier and held more muscle and bigger, broader bones and musculature. One of them had a very petite frame. And for both of those two body types, the guy who's had graduated high school at 165 pounds and is now 230, the reality is he is much more overweight than the other guy who may be the same height, is the same age, and also weighs 230 pounds, but his frame is supposed to be naturally a little bit bigger. That's his genetics. So if you understand that, you won't be as frustrated with the outcome. Instead of these silly labels that we get from the industry as well, you know, if you're eating right and you're doing things right, you're supposed to lose X amount of pounds a week. And this time, here's based on your height and weight garbage. It's just not the reality. Everyone's body is different. I wish that was the reality. But I can tell you after dieting thousands and thousands of people, everyone's body responds a little bit differently. So what does that leave us with? Well, your body type, your genetics, are set for you. What your options are, your option is whether or not you want to see what the best expression of that looks like. Because there are endomorphs, which is a stocky body type, that are lean and athletic and look fabulous, and they are ectomorph, which is all the way to the other end of the spectrum, who are the kind of the more petite frames, the, more, the, the smaller bone, who have muscle and are athletic and look fantastic. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, what this, people come in all shapes and sizes. You just want to be the best version of what your genetics are going to allow for as possible. And what people turn to is gimmicks. Don't turn to gimmicks doesn't count people like well johnny calls me up he goes well i did this uh this liquid this juice diet this liquid diet to lose weight and uh you know and, and i lost uh 20 pounds I go, all right johnny how much do you weigh he goes why well, weigh 250 uh i said okay so you used to weigh 270 he goes oh well no 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 i i lost 20 pounds but i gained it back <laughs> well then it right. doesn't count does it <laughs>
0: right your net gain oh yeah there's <laughs> right right
1: you get a good flu, you get, a, uh, get sick for a week and you're going to lose five pounds. That's not real. It's, I tell people all the time, if, if, is your weight coming down? Yes, my weight's coming down. Are you eating? Yes, I'm eating. That's real. That's your metabolism changing, the way your body burns fuel changing. That's your body adapting to be a leaner version of yourself. If you're not eating or you're doing some gimmick, that's just a temporary circumstance. Nothing is changing. As soon as the parameters go back to the way they were, you're gonna be right back to where you began. In some cases, worse. So for, for women in particular, and this, this happens to both men and women, but for women, especially um, once they're past you know, 45, that ballpark and it's not as easy to hold muscle, we think, well, no big deal. I know it's not permanent, but I'm gonna do this starve starvation gimmick, you know, whatever the fat of the month is. Uh, and, and I'm just gonna take, you know, 10 pounds off real fast, and I know I'll gain it back. But unfortunately, the body doesn't go, okay, here's 10 pounds of fat you're gonna dump off, and then you're gonna gain 10 pounds of fat back. That it doesn't work that way. We take that 10 pounds off, guess what she's gonna lose? She does it wrong, she's gonna lose seven pounds of fat and three pounds of muscle. And then when she gains the weight back, why is she going to gain three pounds back? Right. Unless she did something. No, she's going to gain the same. She's back on the scale. Oh, nope, Same weight. But her body fat percentage is 1% higher now. Now repeat that a few times. That's what we need to avoid. If you do it the right way, you have, you're setting yourself up for permanence in the trans, in the transformation. Okay.
0: Wow. This has been great. You know, we're almost going into 45 minutes plus here and we can probably go for hours. And I'm fascinated about this stuff because it's all about, you know, it's as much as performance because nutrition and how you feel in the workplace is just as important. You know, what, Talk to us about, you know, we'll go for another five minutes, but talk to us about, you know, nutrition and performance in the workplace versus just, you know, of health or, you know, athletic performance.
1: Productivity. You get it back in spades. Um, You know, the the reason that people fail on any exercise or any diet program um, is always the same thing. It's never they, okay, I want you to write down the biggest obstacles. It is never, I don't like this food or I'm not willing to exercise, it's always I'm too busy. So they feel like I can't break away to invest in myself, to get the meals that I need or to do some exercise because my work is so demanding. But if they do it right, they do it strategically, And there's definitely a right way and a wrong way. You know, If you do it strategically, I promise you that the time and effort you invest in yourself and in your health Will you'll recoup tenfold in productivity. And it's a trickle down for executives and CEOs. And you have to start from the top. You look at the healthiest um, corporations and businesses on the planet, and they almost always have people who recognize the value of self-care at the top because then that culture trickles down. And then you see the productivity across the board with your company. Um, I I can't emphasize the benefits of that enough. I have had the privilege of working with numerous um, top, top level executives of some big, big companies. Um, And they are all focused on wellness because they see the direct correlation um, to dollars saved, profits made. It's almost a straight line. Uh, In fact, the largest, I, I actually consulted for the largest retailer in the world and um, they saw a direct correlation of when their employees were safe, healthy, their productivity, and the financial savings is there. So it's there on a the, on the big scale, on a corporate level. It's there on a personal level. And nobody ever says, oh, I wish I had invested that time. It wasn't worth it. I've never heard that. What I do hear is, help me know, with the time that I have, help me know how to best invest it. So if, if, you want, if, you want to learn, if you want to learn more, if you want to talk with someone on these topics who will actually get to know you, just reach, reach out to us. Just have the conversation with zero strings attached. Reach out and just talk to someone. Uh, you, you might be a little embarrassed at first because they're gonna ask you some personal questions. But if you're willing to open up to someone, um, there are people out there. I think we do a pretty good job. There are people out there who, who have done this a couple times and they know the strategies. They know what doesn't work. They know what's tried and true. They know what the best is going to be under this circumstance or that circumstance. Um, and you'd be amazed uh, what a difference a coach can make in your life. Uh, I have a coach, I have a coach for business. I have a coach for my personal uh, fitness and having that other voice in my life is just, it's made all the difference for me.
0: Versus the voices in your head.
1: (laughs) I have some of those too.
0: (laughs) Me too. I got plenty of those. So where can anyone, you know, in closing here, Angela, where can everyone find you?
1: So metpro.co. So it's metpro.co and then do slash EA. Um, I think for your listeners, I think we got, we have something special cooking if they, if they mention the executive athletes podcast. So, um, you know, I can list the name of all the people who you would possibly talk to. Um, We we have a tight group of excellent uh, folks who are experts. They'd love to get to know you. Tell, uh, tell them you heard about us um, on the, uh, executive athletes podcast, and they're going to take great care of you.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And no, I'm definitely looking forward to giving this shot as a, uh, giving this a shot as well. Sorry, everyone. I'm a little popped up on cold medicine here. It's a, <laughs> it's a lovely thing going from zero to 65 degrees in new England. But anyways, wow. Angelo, this was awesome. You know, like I said, we go for hours. We'll probably come back to a round two. But thank you very much for being part of this. And believe me, guys, everyone should check it out. I've actually started talking to um, one of his coaches and totally pumped and excited to, to give this a shot. So if you guys have any questions or need to get in touch with Angelo, you can reach out to him via the website or reach out to me and we can uh, make something happen. So Angelo, thanks again.
1: Thanks for having me, Ken.
0: And anyone else who has any questions, comments, or feedback, feel, feel free to email me at Ken at executiveathletes.com. But, Go out and crush it. Have a great week and step out of your comfort zone.